Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. All right, so we're going to be back in um, 2 Kings 4 today. I want to revisit all the life of Elisha, but still in the mindset of the theme, just speaking of some of those announcements of kind of shifting to where we have a good space for the kids and stuff like that. But um, the theme of making room, you know, the theme of what, what um, John, Dreadlock John the Baptist came talking about and proclaiming when they were asking him all those questions, like, are you the Christ? Are you Elijah? Are you basically all these things? Because I believe he probably looked a lot like what they believed Elijah looked like. And, and he was drawing a crowd. He, he was very gifted, obviously. There was something about him. And he said, no, I'm none of those things. But he goes and he quotes um, the book of Isaiah, that he was this, this one who was the voice that was crying out, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. In other words, make room and make space. You know, sometimes we, we read that Isaiah, and, you know, in the voice that's crying out in the wilderness and yelling, prepare the way of the Lord. But the, the way it's really written there is that the voice of the one is actually crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. In other words, make space where there's nothing for something brilliant that is coming. Um, we, we say these types of things, you know, build a highway in the desert. Like, why? There's no neighborhoods in there. There's no need for a gas station. There's no need for nobody's going through there. And it's like, right. In other words, prepare something as if something's coming in, you know, and uh, where there is space created. And this is faith. This is what faith actually looks like. It is actually believing what God says more than what you see in the matrix or in this plastic temporary place believing more in his reality than what you see here and acting on it by creating space to receive it in this place and this concept of creating space and making way we say it all the time christianity and church and and this life is not about a launching pad we're having a launch you know what i mean we're launching out into the spirit you know it's like it's it's none of this it's all about having a landing pad for what already is it's receiving what is already there 2,000 years ago, like John the Baptist ended up saying. Like, he doesn't give the Spirit by measure. You know, we, we're, we're, we need another outpouring of the Spirit. You know, we hear that all the time. It's like, it's like no, he, didn't, he, didn't, he doesn't give the Spirit by measure. This, this reality of this covenant was opened up 2,000 years ago, about 2,000 years ago, 1,993 you know, or whatever it is. You know, it's like this, this happened, and this Pentecost happened, past tense, and it is here. It's here. And it's not about can we receive um, or will we receive something else. It's, it's like, will we create the room and accept that which is reality? It is the war of reality. You know? And we're not really winning it in the world, so to speak. You know what I mean? But we're called to win it in our families, in our lives, in everything that we do practically. And man, I'll tell you this guy um, that I want to talk about today, Elisha. I want to talk about this woman actually today. It's, wasn't it International Woman's Day sometime this week? Yeah. See, there you go. There you go. I knew I had some reason for this, you know. This Shunammite lady. The big Shunammites. All right. So happy uh, Shunammite Day. Second Kings 
chapter 4. So let's see where I want to start this. I think it starts in chapter 10. Oh, no. Let's see. We're going to start this. Um, In, chapter, in verse 8, 2 Kings 4, verse 8. Okay, so we talked about the lady with the vessels last week. That's good, making space. So this is, this is where we start. It says, now it happened one day that Elisha, backstory, the baddest man on the planet Earth. Okay, bad means good, right, kids? That's the way we did it in the 90s, but I think, I don't know if it still goes today. The baddest man, the most powerful man. The king of Israel calls him dad, my father. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's literally called by the king of Israel. The chariots and horses of Israel is attributed to this man, just as this man attributed it to his mentor, Elijah. Meaning, it's not even the chariots and horsemen of Israel. It's like, it's your authority that keeps Israel safe. That's how powerful this man is. That's who he is. This is Elijah. He has a double portion of his, you know, Elijah. And so, this is an incredible man. He, he tells the king about what's happening in the other king's strategic rooms when they're planning to attack Israel, Judah. That's how powerful that this man is. He, he's reversed things like during, during drought, he's actually caused rain and water to come fill up, dug trenches where there was a drought and they filled up by the next morning. He's just incredibly powerful person. That's who this man is. Similar to somebody like Samuel who was a, an incredibly intimidating figure. I think we can get these Bible stories in our heads and not see these people the way people saw them, but they were incredibly intimidating. When Samuel first came and met Jesse, uh, David's dad, they asked him, hey, is it peace? Like, are you here for a good thing? Because people were scared of these guys because of the level of power that they actually operated in. You know what I mean? And so anyhow, they have a reputation about them. But they are the prophet of God. They're the mouthpieces of God. Right? We understand this in the New Covenant, that this, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. This Joel 2 reality is like your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, young men see visions. This reality of what the prophets entered into relationally will actually be for everyone. So when we read these Old Testament passages and we see these great men and prophets, they're symbols of something, and the people that are interacting are symbols of something, but it's all for us to learn of what it looks like to walk relationally connected to God. Right? You know, 1 Corinthians 10 and, um, you know, Romans 15. These things were written for us, it says. So anyhow, that's the backstory. It happened that day, Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. It says a wealthy woman. And she, this woman persuaded Elisha to stop and eat some food. So as, as often as he passed by on his commute, wherever, when, where he was going, um, that, she would, that he would turn in there and have some food. And this woman said to her husband, hey, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Let's make a small upper room on the wall of our house, of our property, and let us put a bed there for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand. I don't know if that's what this will be called, but I love that when I saw that. Bed, table, chair, lampstand. Bed, table, chair, lampstand. Let's put a bed there, put a table there, put a chair there, and put a lampstand there. There's nothing written by accident, okay? Um, this speaks of our life and our connection, these four things. The bed, right? The table, the chair, and the lampstand. So, so it will be that whenever he comes to us, he can turn in here. Hey, let's do something. Let's create space yeah. for this man yeah. because of what he symbolizes, yeah. right? This isn't the prophet's reward. Give me some money, right? And your dreams will come true. It's the prophet's reward. 
That's charismania. It's not going to happen here. It's not biblical. Um, the prophet's reward, what we're seeing here is somebody in this old covenant, before we're entering, they recognize this man represents a vessel of God, the voice of God. I want it in my life. I want it in my house. I want it around me. I want to, I want to give into it. I want to create space for it. You feel? Yeah. And so like, hey, let's out of our own, let's build something to actually help him out. He goes from point A to point B. I love to feed him, but what if we could do even more for him? It's a beautiful problem to have when you're looking at something or somebody else outside of yourself. It's like, how can I help this person? What can I do that would be cool to help this person? This is Christianity. What can I, out of, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water, John 4. So what I need water. No, 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 no. How can I actually allow water to flow into this person's life to be a blessing to them? And by doing that, we actually, we get filled up and, and, and grow and mature. So here he is. Uh, so there's the table, chair, lampstand, and a bed in this room. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room. So it's kind of like a bed and breakfast in a sense, you know, but it's not. It's a, it's a bed and, I don't know how you would say that, a bed table, chair, and lampstand. So anyways, <laughs> so uh, he turns into one day, and he's with his servant, Gehazi. And I guess I just picture him laying on his little bed up there, and maybe Gehazi had a cot too. You know how the hotels do that sometimes? Laying with his head like, man, like, this is really nice. Got his feet kicked up. It's like, this is really cool that they did this for us. If you know Elisha, he was incredibly successful before this, by the way, right? Came from, came, he had a lot of money, he was very wealthy, plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, you know, so he, it's not like he couldn't take care of himself. But for some reason, the, the Lord had this person to make provision for him. And so he's sitting there on his bed, or sitting there in the upper room, and he's like, you know what, Gazi? Call the Shunammite over here. Call the, call the lady. Like, you could feel like his heart was like for the woman. Like, man, this is so sweet what they've done for us. And he said to him, and say to her, look, you've been concerned for us with all this care. What can I actually do for you? Do you want me to speak on your, on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army or, or anything? Kind of like, I have more pull than anybody in the world, in the country. Um, what, is there anything that I can do for you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is really cool. So now Elijah's, or Elisha, sorry, is doing some of the same things. He's trying to figure out. And this is the heart of God. This is how prophecy works, I truly believe. What do you have for them that would really be a blessing to them? Yeah. It's never about us. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like he's getting out of the way. He's like, what do you have for them? Yeah. And it's like, hmm. And it's not a figuring out, but it feels like a figuring out. What is the heart of the Lord for you? What, is, what can really hit you up? What can be a blessing for you? What can be good for you? You know what I'm saying? That is the heart, the testimony of Jesus, spirit of prophecy. That is the heart of the Lord Jesus of seeing other people in a certain way. Yes. So anyhow, he's like, you know, what can I do for you? Her answer was this. Hey, I dwell amongst my own people. Like, I'm good. Which I think that's a hilarious answer coming to him. Um, because, you know, like, hey, I, I, I'm really happy in life. I dwell, like, there's no, it's other, in other words, like, there's no disputes. This guy called a couple bears out of the woods about a bunch, a gang of young men that were trying to attack him. Like, there's no disputes I need. There's no, like, I have peace with everybody. Like, I'm, I'm good. You know, there's nothing you can really do for me. And 
And it's interesting, I think maybe this is too much, but for me anyways, the way they viewed these guys sometimes as like the horses and chariots of, the, of Israel, it's just like you, you've got like the biggest guns. If there, is there any problems in your life or anything you need dealt with? Militarily speaking, you need, you need to have some issues with folks, you know, you know, it's like the way he's talking, any disputes and it's just like, no, 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 I'm actually at complete and total peace, which is beautiful because it's like, hey, this isn't, this isn't, this has never been about what you could do for me, Elisha. Yeah. This is what I, this is me valuing you. You know, there's nothing like, hey, let's, let's butter this guy up. And then because we're in a tight squeeze and we could use somebody that has a good, can call down some fireballs, some bears. It's, it's good to have those type of people on your team back in the day. That's what I hear anyways. But it's like, you know, it's good to have somebody with that kind of level. But it's like, that was, it wasn't even about this. Hey, I'm, she's like, I'm good. I don't need anything. There's no string attached to this. And so, Elisha, once she tells Gehazi that, it's almost like, okay. I, I feel, it's like I imagine her like walking off and him just putting his hands behind his head, you know, just sitting there like, man, really? Nothing? And he looks at Gehazi and he says, he's like, what then is to be done for her? He's still in that frame of mind. Uh, she doesn't need anything. Yeah, well, there's, there's something we can do for her. You know what I mean? You know people like that that are like really thoughtful. They give good gifts. Instead of, here's your gift card, which I like gift cards, you know, for me, from my parents and stuff as a kid. But, you know, it's more just like they're really thoughtful. They give gifts that are like, man, that's really thought out. That's something I really wanted. You know, that type of person. It's like Elisha's on that level of problem. Like, nah. Okay, so she has peace. She don't need no fireballs or bears. But like, what, what can I do for this woman? He's still of that heart towards the lady, which is really cool. And Gehazi says, actually, you know what? She doesn't have any kids. She doesn't have a son. And her husband's old. <laughs> That's his answer. She's married to an old guy. So pretty much she doesn't have a son. And I don't know that she can have one because the dude's he's kind of old looking, you know. And... Um, it's like a, a light bulb goes off in Elisha's head and he goes, yeah, call her back again. Get her over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And she comes and she stands in the doorway and Elisha proclaims to her, he's like, at this time next year, you'll embrace a son. And she says, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. And so you can see in this woman's heart, she really, really wanted one. And she had really been disappointed. And he sniffed around long enough in the spirit to realize, I know what will bless you. Yeah. And he found it. And he gave it. And he spoke it. But so much so that, obviously, she had been disappointed. She had had issues. She's like, hey, don't, please don't play with my emotions on this. That's so much. But God knows the desires of our hearts. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it, it couldn't be hidden from this guy. And, um, and his servant, Gehazi. You know. <laughs> and Elijah's like, ah. That's it. She went from barren to fruitful. It says, The woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, which Elisha had told her so a year later. So he, he grew and it happened and he went out to his father. You know, it's just a really cool story and we could end the story right there, but, but it doesn't end there because the kid dies. I know. I'll pause for a few minutes, let that sink in. Like, wow. Well, that was just a big trick. No, it wasn't. So the kid grows, as the story says. It happens one day. He went out to his father, and um, 
he said to his father, Father, I have a headache, my head, my head, you know. Um, and his father said, hey, well, carry him back into his mom because he's having trouble. And um, he takes him back in, brought him to his mother and sat on her knees until noon, and then he died. And um, so it's like, wow, what a buzzkill from a cool story. But in verse 21, it says, she took the baby or took the little boy at that point, And she went up into that upper room, into that room that she built, and she put the baby on the bed of the space she had created. That's good. uh, Put it up there. And um, she called her husband and says, hey, send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys I'm running, uh, that I may run to the man of God and come back. Like, hey, this, in other words, this isn't going to be the way this thing ends, right? But it's beautiful because her her husband, he's a Sunday Christian, you know what I mean? And uh, he says... He's like, hey, why are you going to him today? It's not, it's not the new moon or the Sabbath. Kind of like, hey, it's not even, this isn't the time that we actually go to, we're not in religious mode right now. But the reality about this woman's relationship to God, it wasn't ritualistic. She wasn't checking off boxes on the calendar. You know what I mean? She had created space in her life, out of her own space, the bed, the table, the chair, and the lamp, that was symbolic of her relationship. She created space for the Lord in her life. And so when something happened, it wasn't an emergency. Oh my gosh, I need to get real spiritual now because I've got a green uh, bump on, on the back of my elbow and Shundai Hyundai, call the prayer groups. You know, I've got I've to become real hyper religious and spiritual now. It was like, no, 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 I've been in this life and I've lived this way. And this is where I'm going. So her husband's like, hey, it's not, we're, it's not a holiday. And she said, it's, it is well. What do you think that means, it is well? That's our translation. But what do you think a mom whose son just died, who's running to see the most powerful man in the world, said, it is well? That's, that's kind of like, hey, just do what the, what the heck I'm telling you to do. Give me the dang horses, donkeys, and the, kid, and the young men. Just get out the way. It don't need to be a Sabbath. I'm gone. You know? Gangbusters, right? Know what they call it these days or something like that? Like she's hell or high water, you know? I don't know. Something like that. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, drive, go forward, and don't slacken in pace for me unless I tell you. In other words, like, let's get after it. So it was the man of God, Elisha, saw her from afar off, and he said to his servant Gehazi, hey, look, the Shunammite woman. So he could see her. I don't know if this was visually, prophetically. I don't know if this is, he's up on a mountain looking down. But he tells Gazi, run after her to meet, meet her and ask her, hey, is it well with you? And is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And when Gehazi got to her, and he says, hey, before she, he, she got to Elisha, he's like, is everything cool? Is it good? She's like, yeah, it's good. She said, yeah, it's well, and keep going. Kind of like, you're not the one I'm trying to talk to here. No offense. Yeah, it's good. Interesting way of thinking. Like, no, it's not good. It's all these bad things. It's like, yeah, it's totally good, and I'm handling it. Move, Gehazi. Yeah. Now, when she came to the man of God at the hill, she got up to where it was, and she caught up. She comes, and she catches him by the feet, and Gehazi came, lunges over to kind of push her off. It says he comes to push her away. In other words, like he's his like, kind of like personal guardian, not that he needs one, but he's a servant. And um, she comes and, la- comes and latches onto him. And um, when Gehazi comes to try to knock her off, 
Elisha says, stop, let her, leave her alone. Her soul is in deep distress. And he says, and the Lord has hidden this from me. He hasn't told me why she's in deep distress. That's the level he was on. Usually he would know. He's like, I know something. Is it her? Is it her? Is it, her? Is it her husband? Is it, is it the kid? Like, go ask her what's going on. I, I'm not seeing it. But it was more about her relationship to the Lord and her faith than it was his power. Yeah. It really was. Because God's allowing him to be blind to it in order for her to really press in and access what's there for all of us as Christians. You know? So there he is, man. She's coming and she's like, hey, don't knock her off. She says, did I not ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, don't deceive me? Can you imagine talking like that? <laughs> you know, she's talking... This is, the, you know, this is the bear wrangler now. This is the, these guys are some bad dudes. But she's like, hey, I told you not to play with me, Elisha. Not to play with my heart on this thing, right? Did I not ask? Then he said, Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. Don't meet anybody. Don't greet anybody. Get there and lay my staff on the child. Right? This is somebody who caused an axe head to float out of the Jordan River with a, with a stick. So now he's got his staff. He's like, go put this on her. This, I mean, think of it like you haven't been to Sunday school your whole life. This like magic stick, this magic wand with my power in it. Go put it on top of the kid. That's what he's saying. Go put my wand, my, my staff on top of that, that kid. But I love what she says. The mother child says, as the Lord lives and as your soul live, I will not leave you. So, so he arose and followed. And I was like, hey, I'm not going with your servant, buddy. Me and you are going together. <laughs> That's how she talked to this guy. I'm not leaving. I'm not going back with him. You're going to see this through. I know this. Hmm. That's good. And um, so Gehazi still goes and he lays the staff on the face of the child, but nothing happened. And um, he comes back to Elisha. They're, they're kind of on their way. and says, the child is not awakened. You know, they're making their way down. And Elisha, it says, he comes into the house and there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went there and shut the door behind uh, the two of them and prayed to the Lord. It says, he went up and he laid upon the child and he put his mouth on the child's mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands and stretched him out on, himself out over the child. And the flesh of the child began to become warm. Then he kind of hopped up and started walking back and forth in the house. And again, I guess he came down out of the upper room stairs. Then he went back up to the room maybe and stretched himself on him again. It says, then the child sneezed seven times and the kid's eyes opened up. <laughs> How frightening would that be? Praying for a dead, dead kid. And the Lord says, lay down on top of his face. Like, I don't want to lay. Like, just do it. And then he starts sneezing at your face. And, oh, gosh, you know, that's traumatic. But anyway, sorry. But he just like, he starts sneezing seven, ajun, 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 seven times. And he opens his eyes. And then he called Gazi and said, hey, call the, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came to him, he said, hey, come pick him up. So she fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. And she picked up her son and went out. And so this is beautiful, right? This is Elisha. Does, he does shows up and, and prays over this kid, you know, seven times. Hachu wakes up, comes back from the dead, been dead for a while, 
But the lady just would not let it go. You know? And I think it's such a beautiful picture. She's, she has made room for the word of the Lord in her life. Prophetically, just seeing this story. She's created a space where the word of the Lord would, would dwell in her own house. It is a priority. This is that Matthew 6, 33. This is Luke 12, 31. This is like seeking first the kingdom of God in all things, above all things, and all you need will be added to you. This is this, is this Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven, and give us this day our daily bread, the manna of Exodus 16 that used to fall every day that was a prophetic picture of what it looked like for us to not live by bread alone, but by the words that actually proceed from the mouth of God. It was this, this commitment of relational connection to God that is the power of all Christianity. You know, Christianity, yes, it is the forgiveness of sins, the reversal of all things, but all through the prophets of the old. The new covenant was foretold, and this will be their covenant. Isaiah 59, 14, you know what I'm saying? Like, my words which are in your mouth, Isaiah, they'll never depart from the mouth of your descendants from this time and forevermore, you know. Ezekiel 36, like, you know, I'll put a new heart within you. You'll be cleansed, but I'll put a heart of flesh within you. Like, you'll be relating to me, that Joel 2 that we've already quoted. The Jeremiah 31, like, like the words of the Lord, like nobody would have to tell their neighbor about God. Like everybody will have the opportunity, the access to know him personally. And this is the, this is the manna. This is the daily bread. This is the Lord is my shepherd. I shall want, I shall not want, I'm following him. This is my sheep know me, John 10, because they know my voice. This is relational connection embodied in a story for us to see. That when, when an emergency happened, when something traumatic happened, she had the power of the universe in her own house. Was it Elisha? In this story, it seems that, but it was, it was the bed. It was the table. It was the, it was the chair, and it was the lamp. All of these things that represented, they had these little stop-off places for people to come and stay in the ancient Near East. They had these little, almost like bed and breakfast or, you know, little stay-the-night things that some wealthy people would put on their house. Um, but it was very unusual for them to have the table, the chair, and the lamp on the inside of them. She made provision for his connection. Yeah. You feel? It's, it's not a buffet. It wasn't a table for him to eat. They didn't even sit on chairs to eat. This is, this was a, this is prophetically like my office in my house. Like I have a, in the corner of it, I have a chair. I have a circular table like this one, but it's much shorter because the chair's um, low. And I have a lamp that hangs over it. It's like it, it is visual, prophetic uh, symbolism and it's real, of this man's connection, there's a place there for you to study. There's a place there for you to write. There's a place there for you to actually connect. And it's symbol, symbolic of what we have in our life, the power yeah. that relational connection is. Yeah. If you look at Joel 2, they're talking about these armies and these, these you know, locust-looking things, these monstrous-looking things. But then the army of the Lord is what? It's like, uh, I will raise people that will have dreams and visions. You know what I mean? Young men and old men and women, they'll be able to prophesy. Like, that's going to be my army. It's like, well, what, what's an army about that? The army has always been about connection and knowing God. Yeah. And knowing Him inside of the matrix of this world gives you the intelligence. And it's intelligence, like, literally, but I, I literally mean it like, like almost like CIA intelligence. It gives you intelligence for direction in life 
often when it's not even what you're seeking. You're just seeking to connect with Him, and He opens the doors, and He positions you. And this woman had created that space, so the connection to God was there. And she refused anything less than that actually being made, made to happen. It's cool. It's like after that, there was a famine, and Elisha actually tells the, basically tells her, like, hey, there's going to be a famine in the land for you know, seven years or whatever it was. And so he tells her that they need to get out of town. And so the Shunammite and her family, her husband or whatever, they move like, to the land of the Philistines for, I think, seven years. And a few chapters later in chapter 8, it's been, it's been several years later. Um, let's see. It, it tells that story that, the, that that woman maintained this relationship to this prophet. And he says, hey, you know, get out of town for seven years. There's going to be this famine. But it says in 2 Kings 8, verse 3, it came to pass at the end of the seven years that the woman returned um, from the land of the Philistines where she was staying because there was a famine in the land where she lived in Shunem. And she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. Because you can't just, you know, you can't just leave your stuff. Somebody's going to take it over. She abandoned everything is what it seemed like. But she did it according to the word of the Lord. And um, the hilarious thing about 2 Kings 8 is when, she's, when she comes back to make this appeal to the king, and it, doesn't, it seems like maybe her husband passed away during that season, but I'm not really sure. But when she comes back to make this, the appeal to the king, when she gets there to where the king is, Gehazi, the servant, seven years you know, later, is actually there talking to the king and telling him stories about Elisha, which is so hilarious. Because the king's like, well, tell me other stuff that he did. He's just like, so you used to live with him? Like, man, what was he like? Did he wake up in the middle of the night? Like, this dude's a strange guy. So what's up with those bears? You know, telling, asking him the stories. And it says, he was there. As he was there, um, Gehazi was like, he's like, tell me all the things that Elisha has done, Gehazi, was what the king is asking him. And he's like, well, he was telling him, he was in the middle of telling that story. He's like, well, there's this one lady. She, cooked, she made us a little room at her house. And her son... I couldn't believe she was barren. She had a son. I can't believe it because that guy was so old. And Elijah prophesied it. And he sure enough had a son. It was awesome. But a few years later, that kid died for no reason. Got a headache. And he's like, what? He's like, yeah. So Elisha came. You know, she got, man, she was feisty. She came up. She said, no, I'm coming with you. Telling her the holes. Telling the king the story. When we get down there, he lays on. He's like, what happened? He's like, he sneezed seven times. He sneezed seven times. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. You know, like, yeah, he sneezed right in his face. And he stayed there pinned on him, just kept, took the sneeze. You know, I don't, <laughs> you know, he's just telling whatever, you know, he's telling the story. <laughs> and he's like, man, that's, that's crazy. And what happened? He's like, the kid sat up. And then he sat up. How long have you been dead? The whole day or a couple days, however long it took to get to him. You know what I mean? It was a far away. So I was like, dang, that is crazy. And then as he was telling him the story, it says, as he's telling, there, there was the woman whose son was restored to life. And so he looks at the, and he goes, my Lord, King, that's the lady just showing up. She had just been showing up seven years later. Just, I figured I'll take a shot in the dark and try to ask if I can have my land. I've been gone for seven years. <laughs> and the king, she, it says the king asked the woman, um, and, she, and he saw the son seven years later. So he hears the son like 10 12 years old, 13, you know, however old, how old he was when he first died to the seven years and, and all that stuff. So he's like, whoa, you know, so this is true. She's like, oh, yeah, sneeze right in his face. You know, oh, you, you did that to him, boy. Like, well, I didn't know. I was just sneezing, you know, and he's like, 
So the king asked the woman, and she's like, so that's all you want? And so it says that the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, restore all that was this woman's. And by the way, all the proceeds that came from that field, from the day that she left until now, restore those to her as well. And it's just like, you want to talk about, like, oh, you know, are we in a recession? I mean, we kind of are, but is it going to get worse or is it going to get better? Are we at the bottom? Are we in a bubble? You know, it's like, it's like this woman, because of the bed, right, yeah. and the table and the chair and the lamp, that this woman had intelligence about the economy, knew when to get out of town to avoid famine, and actually came back and still got whatever proceeds came from her property and land that somebody apparently took over and was squatting on and was somehow using because it was yielding something. And she got all that to her account. Why? Because she, you know, read the Wall Street Journal or something? It was like, no, because she was, because of the bed and the table and the chair and the lamp. This whole place is plastic. The whole world is the matrix. None of it's real. It's, it's real. It's, it, is, it is less real than the eternal kingdom that we're called to inherit. And inherit now. In the here and in the now. You know what I mean? It's like the promise of her heart that she was even too nervous to ask for. When asked by the voice of the Lord himself. He's like, I know deep down in what you really want. I found it. Gehazi knew it and it rung true. And that's what you're going to have. You know what I mean? Because why? Because she was, she had, her husband was old now because she had a table and a bed and a lamp and a chair. There was connection there. There was connection in her life and that was first and foremost and it produced all this stuff. And she made money off of an economic famine downturn, whatever you want to call it. I don't know about those types of things, but you know what I'm saying. I hear about it all the time, but it's like she succeeded when she should not have because she created space for the word of the Lord. It's always been taught. Now now's the time to take the offering, sow into the prophet, get the prophet's reward. That's how the thing goes. I've seen it. I've been there. You know what I mean? It's all the time. That's not what this is at all. The prophet, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. That's, the, the connection is open for everybody. It's who will create space. It's, it's never stopped. It's never stopped. And the open doors and the progression of this life, so many times the provision or the connection, the stuff that's going to be opened up, comes from, A, either us seeing, just like the woman did, how can I make his life better? How can I get behind him? And You can't support him. He's the baddest man in the world. He's connected to the king. If he needed a lot to stay on, he would just ask the king and he'd give it to him. He'd probably give him your house if he wanted do anything he wants. But what did she say? How can I be a blessing to this person? Yes. Yes. The true heart of true prophecy. That's good. You know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This person's in the name of the Lord. He's an image of God or she. How can I release that? And it causes her to grow. It cro- excuse me. It causes her to succeed. You know. It causes her life to be blessed. It causes her to enter, anything, enter into things her family was taking care of because of the space she created. I think that's incredible, you know. Hmm. It was fun. When, when I met with our two youth leaders, we, we were talking about, speaking of like, how can you be a blessing and how can you be, you know, this theme that came up as we were talking and it's kind of a personal, I, I, something I really like and in leadership and even looking back, um, 
it kind of goes with that saying that says, be who you needed in your own life when you were in their position or when you were that age. You know what I mean? Be the person you needed when you were that age. Because I can all, we can look back with regret, like, dang, if I just had a big brother that knew what was up spiritually, athletically, academically, and I could have just been steered a little bit. My wife could have been better. I could have, da, 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 da. you know, we can think this way. But the reality is now we have the opportunity to create space, the bed, the dreams, visions, the, 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 the Bible, the table, the lampstand of the, of, the, of the holy place, you know what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit, which illuminates the word of God, the voice of God in our life, the, the chair, the seated in Christ above heavenly places, the Ephesians 2, 6, that sick walk, stand, watch from the knee, that the lampstand, you know, all these different things. And it's just like, instead of like living with regret, being thankful for what we do have now, but also be who you, who you needed in your life when you were in that position. And that's for the youth leaders to identify things and to see things and to speak life and to, and to help people, especially kids, understand that, hey, there's no limit on you. There's, there's no, you can do absolutely anything. There's so much possibility. There's so, you know, I, that's my bread and butter is seeing potential and trying to unlock it and speak into it. Um, but it goes not just for youth or be who you needed when you were young. It goes for just being outside of ourselves enough to actually see what is the value of heaven in each individual person and be like, true prophecy. The testimony is like, what would really, what's the, the hope? True prophecy, true, true spiritual sight is seeing somebody else's life with hope. I have the hopes of God for your life turning out a certain way. Why? What does it do for you? It doesn't do anything. It could be a complete stranger. You know, I mean, uh, you know, and we're good at doing this just for ourselves or just for our kids, but that's self-centered Christianity. It's not real Christianity. It's like, it's like learning to live this way all the time is spiritual sight. And even that opens the doors for our own life. Look at the woman. Because next thing you know, she's getting all these benefits, financial, you know, uh, economical a son, a lineage, you know, all this stuff. Um, it's brilliant. She didn't have a son. Her husband didn't, you know, her, his husband didn't have a lineage and then he got one just by being connected to the woman. Yeah. He was a Sunday only Christian, you know what I mean? Sabbath and new moon, whatever you want to call that. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, oh, so our relationship can, can, can affect you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we are that powerful. Yeah. And the power lies in creating space and being open. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not focusing on self. Not folks thinking about ministry, but thinking about the heart of Lord, the Lord and releasing. You know, it's a different game. You know, I remember when I was younger, and, I, and this is what I see for a lot of younger people too, a lot of times, is I remember I had a lot of opportunities and even could kind of see the tracks to become a ministry person or a minister or whatever, which, you know, I obviously am now, but to get my name out or to speak or to do these engagements or do this stuff. And there could also be a fear, which I think robs a lot of people, of living in the moment and being successful in the here and now, in the present. And I remember, um, you know, having those opportunities and stuff, um, kind of feeling what I was called to, but having opportunities because I always worked in gyms. That was always my job. I just did that forever. And then I was, I, I became a certified trainer, like a nationally certified one, but I was working the YMCA and it was kind of like I still had opportunities to travel and stuff and kind of open some big name ministers were like, you can come any trip you want with me, anywhere I go, you can go, you know, had all this stuff that would seem really cool. But I remember praying about it and getting the certification and thinking like, man, I could actually do something different. 
And um, we were in a car accident, me and Nicole, you know, 2005 or whatever that was. She broke her hip or her pelvis in a couple of spots, and so that's not good. But so we met a chiropractor, you know, in our town, and he was popping, you know, all the, the snapping and all that, you know, stuff they like to do. And, and, but he was like, hey, so you're a trainer? I was like, yeah, actually, I just got my certification. I was like, I'm, I'm going this weekend. You know, he's like, hey, I know a lady that owns a spa, and it has a full gym on the bottom of the spa in its basement, and it's completely fitted out with machines. And, and, and long story short, it was a, a man who was in the military, and they had a business plan for him to have this gym, this studio, this personal training studio in the bottom of this salon, this spa that this woman owned. And, um, but he went, he went overseas and he was a medic as well. And so, but he just was not coming back. So he just kind of let it go. And so he had this full place just sitting there, a gym with nothing, but all this thousands of dollars worth of stuff, just sitting in it and speaker system and everything. And, um, this chiropractor we met and he's just like, Hey, I think you should do this. And I remember thinking, well, you know, it's like, it's one of those things. I don't want to make the wrong move or you, you I don't want to be so attached to the worldly thing, you know, to doing this, that I miss out these opportunities that I have. And I had this dream, very specifically, speaking of the bed and the table and the lamp and the, and the chair, um, that I was walking my dog named Jada at the time, and I was walking outside of my neighborhood to the street that was like, you know, a couple streets out of my neighborhood. And flowing on the side of the street was a crystal clear spring, which in, in real life in Moravian Falls where I live was not there. And I was like, wow, that's beautiful. And I was letting Jada drink from the water. And I looked in and I saw these shiny quarters and they almost, they looked brand new, like they were off the press, the fresh 2005 quarters or whatever, you know, at, at the time. So I'm, I'm like, oh, and I, and I was like, oh, there's quarters. And so I was like, they got dropped here. So I picked them up. I ended up picking up eight quarters. So that's $2 a big deal to me back then, I guess, you know, but, I, but it was prophetic, you know, like, wow, this is really cool. And then I woke up, you know, and so it was around that same time, it might have been right after that, that I got the offer from the chiropractor saying, hey, come and meet this lady. I was like, yeah, I'll meet her. Um, so I ended up this, meeting this lady that owned this space. And I was like, I'm a personal trainer starting next weekend. Like I have my, national, I have my YMCA stuff, but I, I was getting a national one in Charlotte the next weekend. And I was like, hey, I've got this. And she's like, hey, well, why don't you just take over the studio? I have the studio, I have all this stuff in there. I was like, really? Because like, you couldn't see that it was there from the road. I was like, wow, you step in there like, what is this doing here? Like in the middle of like the mountain, like this is the strangest thing to have, but it was perfect. And um, she's like, you want to start taking clients here? I was like, well, yeah, sure. I'm, I'll just start doing it. And within like just the first couple of weeks, I had, I was doing eight sessions. And the rate that I had with this lady that she gave me, it was a 70-30 split. And I want to say I charged $35 an hour. I forget what I, what we charge, $35 a session or something like that. I forget, but it came, the 70% came to $24 and 50 cents. And that was my cut that I was making on all eight of these sessions. So I had these eight quarters, just like that dream that I had just had. And in the dream, it was this crystal spring. And the name of the salon was, um, healing waters salon and day spa. And so I just stepped into life trying to make this decision. I don't know if I should do this or not. You know what I'm saying? I'm going the ministry route. And it was just like, the Lord's like, hey, like, be faithful in fruit, to, be, to bear fruit in the here and now. Even if it's, air quotes, secular, there's more value in that arena for you in this season of your life than there is going to be going on this other stuff. So I did it. And instantly the Lord gives me this token 
of like, yeah, hey, plug yourself into this job, plug, plug yourself into this sphere, you know? And I've got these, which to me, like $200 extra a month or a week back then, we were like ordering appetizers and stuff, you know what I mean? It was like, oh, do you want to drink? It's usually like, we just drink a water, like, no, I'll take a Coke today and I'll give some cheese dip, you know what I mean? We're like, just, we're balling a little bit, like, yeah, dude, we're just starting to catch some cash going through this thing. Boy, these quarters hit me up. So these eight $25 pieces, you know, and, and then I shifted slowly out of the YMCA and then ended up doing that. And then I did that for, you know, 10, however, 15, I don't know how long I did the training and CrossFit and all those things for a long, long time after that. And, um, but in reality, it was one thing I realized, that's a long story to say, but one thing I realized is that that was the direction of the Lord in my life, but that was the table. You know what I mean? That was the chair. That was my connection. And that was when you're led by his connection, you get what you're needing to get in that season of life. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, you know, it was so good. I, I remember learning that the reason I was in all the places that I was in had nothing to do with fitness. It did, and I was really good at that, and I was real knowledgeable, and I, 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 did, I was very successful in it, especially in Charlotte. You know, I made a lot of money doing that. But the thing about it was, it was always about the people. It was always about connecting them to the Lord. If we're all in the CIA, no jobs are real. They're real, but they're all a cover for us to encounter people yeah. and to release the truth and the life and the light of God to them. You know, I found myself interpreting dreams to people that were Catholic and wealthy and homosexual and all these people that a lot of Christian people would, would say they're disqualified, you know, would have nothing to do with, but they would come into my arena and I would foster their relationship to the Lord and they would recognize, hey, like, I was like, yeah, dude, he's talking to you. You can't get away from it, man. But it's true. And um, everything we do in life is about releasing the river of life. It's not about receiving, it's about releasing. And yeah, them quarters are nice when you got that cheese dip money and all that, but them 25 hitters pieces, you know. But it's, it's, really, about, it's really about what's the real reason that I'm here. You know what I mean? I like the cool badge and I like the cool shirt, you know, that I get from my job or whatever it is, but it's just like, hey, there's something else here. And so many times it's to do things with excellence, but God will place people in your path and it is not an accident. And it's just like the Shunammite. Why is he in my path? But they're like, they're like, what's you know the Spider-Man meme where everyone's all the Spider-Mans are pointing at each other? Elisha is pointing at her and she's pointing at him. She's like, he's like, what can I do for that woman? She's like, what can I do for that? What can I do for that product? You know what I mean? Everybody's everybody's their rivers flowing in this way that both of them are just, it's incredible. And here we are seeing it as a proverbial picture for us that these things were written for us so that we live our lives in this way. And it's like the best. I say this to young people all the time, but the best thing for some people that are in ministry or that are seeking to be in ministry, those air quotes ministry, is to actually get a real job, man. It's, a, it's to get out into the real world. Um, it's a proving ground. Um, it's not just the seminaries, the Bible schools and all that stuff, which that's fine. I mean, I've done those. I've, I'm there. You know, I've got the degrees and all that, but it's, it's not school and that stuff isn't bad, but man, it can be a real bubble. For people who are, who will never be able to relate to the real world, they will just remain soft and easily offended. And oh, you know, sorry, we'll go back to the cult then, because the real world's where you're supposed to, you know, minister. But it's like they're they're too soft. It's too it's too weak, you know. And so I think we 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 call a lot of things secular that God doesn't call secular. You know what I mean? Or we place a lot of agenda, or we place a path, and that God doesn't really place. And He wants us to have an unlimited mind. And a clear space because when you clear that space man the bed 
the table, the chair, the lamp, that is him. And he steers, he's there and he steers the life. He steers your life, man. And it opens everything you need. It's very true. It's very true. Thank you.